0: There's two problems with sin. There's a problem of accountability of debt to God's justice. We know about that. But then there's a physical hardware compatibility problem. See, our hardware is not compatible with heaven. Jesus took care of the problem of debt. There's no more judgment. But unfortunately, the sin virus is hardwired into our physical bodies. It can't be removed. It can only be destroyed. But at the moment of faith, the Holy Spirit quarantines the sin virus to your body only, your hardware, preserving your software, which is the real you, for a future upload into superior hardware that's in heaven. Unfortunately, we don't get to enjoy our new hardware until the old hardware is turned off. But when it does get turned off, our software won't stop running because it will immediately be uploaded into the new hardware. The eternal life that Jesus is talking about, it begins at the moment of faith. You will continue to live on even after your death. That's why Jesus called it a spiritual rebirth. Because the Holy Spirit becomes one with your software, creating a completely new person. And that new person won't die. Now, there's something else, folks. Something else that I can't help but bring up. And that's what Jesus chose not to include as part of that spiritual rebirth. Jesus didn't say that unless a man cleans up his life and gets his act together, he will not ever be part of the kingdom of God. He didn't say unless a man goes to church, he cannot ever be part of the kingdom of God. And he didn't say unless a man becomes religious, he cannot ever be part of the kingdom of God. I wonder why. Could it be that maybe getting your acts together, cleaning up your life, going to church, becoming religious has absolutely nothing to do with being spiritually reborn. You don't save yourself. God saves you. See, Jesus told Nicodemus that God didn't send his son into the world to judge it, but to save it. And anyone who puts their trust in him to be the author of their salvation will not be judged. Now, that is really crucial, folks, because we tend to think that as soon as we die, God judges our life, and we hope that we get a passing grade. But that's not the case. That's not the way it works. Jesus said the way to heaven is by escaping judgment altogether. And the only way to escape God's judgment is to not be in God's debt. From God's point of view, your debt is either paid in full or it's not. There's no middle ground. We're not capable of paying off that debt ourselves. That's why Jesus became our balance transfer. Either your debt has been transferred over to Jesus or it hadn't. And that's why Jesus said that anyone who puts their trust in him will not be judged at all. Because there's no need to be hauled into court if there's no debt to pay off. There will be no judgment. But then Jesus said something about those who don't accept that balance transfer, who remain in God's debt and disbelieve. Jesus told Nicodemus that they've been judged already. Because the light has come into the world and they love the darkness more than the light. But what does he mean by that? Well, let's be honest, folks. All of us love the darkness a little bit. Some of us love it a little more than others, and some of us love it a lot. That's one of the side effects, one of the symptoms of the genetic defect known as the sin virus that infects all of us. But there are those who love it so much that they have a hatred for the light. They're opposed to the light. They're hostile to it. When Jesus said those who disbelieve, the word disbelieve there in the original Greek is active It's continually active. In other words, it's done on purpose. These folks are not deceived. They know what they're doing. So don't confuse a passive disbelief out of ignorance or confusion with what Jesus is talking about here. When Jesus talks about those who love darkness more than the light, he's not talking about the regular Joe who just hadn't figured it out yet. Jesus is identifying a specific group of people. He's talking about a disbelief that is an active choice. These people disbelieve on purpose. They are not deceived by a lack of information or even disinformation. They willfully deceive themselves. It's interesting that the psychiatric community calls this kind of behavior narcissism. It's where people get into the habit of lying to themselves and actually believing those lies to save their ego. Now, there are narcissistic Christians, too, but we're not talking about them right now. We'll get into that when we get to Paul's letters because... Paul nails them to the wall. But right now, we're talking about the narcissism of those who actively choose to disbelieve in Jesus. It's not a matter of the mind. It's a matter of the heart. We may not see it, but God does. He knows the heart. That's why in Psalm chapter 14, verse 1, it says the fool has said in his heart there is no God. didn't say it in his mind. It's not a mental thing. He said it in his heart. But by doing so... He makes himself out to be a fool. Mentally he knows better, his mind knows better, but his heart says otherwise and then he shapes his mind to accept a lie, forcing his view of reality to be what his heart wants it to be rather than what it actually is, even when the lie is ridiculous. That's one of the things that's so fascinating to me about serious evolutionists. You know, if you're a teenager or in your 20s and you've been taught your whole life by people who call themselves learned scientists, that evolution is true. I I can understand believing that. But it's the people who actually engage in the science, who actually study it, that just blow me away. Evolution is a theory that was scientifically disproven decades ago. And since then, it's been disproven over and over and over. The theory of evolution literally violates all of the laws of basic physics. I mean, basic physics. I've often joked with some folks online about this, adamant evolutionists. And I told them, I said, look, if you don't want to believe in a creator, if you want to manufacture a lie to replace the evidence of design that's apparent to everybody, that's fine. I expect that because the Bible said people would trade the truth for a lie. But can't you come up with something that is better than evolution? I mean... I mean, convince me, to do a better job of convincing me, because evolution violates all of the laws of logic and reason. And the more discoveries that are made to disprove it, the more foolish you look. But then I remembered what came after that line in Romans, where it says that they trade the truth for a lie. It also said that while claiming to be wise, they make fools of themselves, and they worship the creation rather than the creator. Boy, what is that if not the scientific priesthood's obsession and almost religious allegiance to the theory of evolution? The heart decides, not the mind. They'll believe a lie that violates their logical mind if their heart wants them to believe it bad enough. That's why Jesus said that they've been judged already. They're unreachable because technically they've already been reached and they chose to disbelieve. It's not that they weren't convinced, they were convinced. But because they love the darkness more than the light, they choose to disbelieve. And it's my opinion, it's my view, that what Jesus is talking about here is the foundation for what he called blasphemy against the Holy Spirit in Matthew chapter 12 and Mark chapter 3. He identified that act as an unforgivable sin. That's why he told Nicodemus that those who actively disbelieve, that they've been judged already. Not that they will be judged or that they're right for judgment. They've already been judged. A lot of confusion over what blasphemy against the Holy Spirit really is and why it's unforgivable. It's not unforgivable because it's so horrible and so evil that even God, with all of his love and forgiveness, can't forgive it. It's because the forgiveness itself that God offers is being purposefully rejected. Now, those of us who are already saved might ask, well, why would anybody do that? Well, Jesus told us why. He said they do it because they love the darkness more than the light. See, you can't love one thing more than something else unless you know about both of them. See, this isn't about deception. You can't hate one thing more than something else unless you know about both of them. Jesus said these people love the darkness more than the light. And in the original Greek, it means more than and instead of the light. See, they're trading out. But then Jesus said that those who love the light don't have a problem coming out into the light. Yeah, they're sinners, but they don't mind. They know they're going to get cleaned.